Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, it's just two weeks to Halloween or thereabouts, I think. Hey, greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way, uh, <laughs> which reminds me of Superman. We're going to get to that in a minute. we got a lot to talk about today. In, uh, I want to start out with uh, getting into right-wing news kills when used as directed, seriously. And, and, and I think Colin Powell's death is a great example of this. Uh, now that the right-wing media has arguably killed more Americans than has tobacco, I think it's time to consider a strategy like we use with cigarettes to balance their deadly lies and misinformation. I'll fill you in on that in a second. Our crazy alert is Superman abandoning the American way or becoming a man of the world. And right-wing billionaires are telling uh, cinema and mansion, but specifically cinema, uh, very publicly, to jump, and she's saying how high. She's now uh, promoting uh, Medicare Advantage, the, the whole Medicare Advantage scam. But so, to our topic of the day from the uh, HartmanReport.com rant, uh, right-wing media causes death when used as directed. Usually on Sunday mornings, Louise and I go out of our way to watch Free Zakaria in particular, but we watched or half-watched, you know, eating breakfast, sitting around talking, whatever. You know, a couple of hours of TV news, and at least three times, somebody wondered out loud. One of them was uh, Alex Witt talking to Anthony Fauci on MSNBC. Why is it that these hospital workers, people who are actually watching people die, are refusing to get vaccinated? Uh, why is it that 60 million Americans are refusing to get vaccinated? And everybody treats it like it's some kind of baffling question with no re real easy answer. There is a really easy answer, and that is the right-wing media ecosystem dominated by Fox so-called news and social media and echoing, you know, uh, across 1,500 right-wing English language and a couple of hundred right-wing Spanish language radio stations across the country have decided that, excuse me, people dying and being disabled is both profitable and politically advantageous for them. I mean, you know, right up until January 20th, when Joe Biden became, you know, who was inaugurated as president, it took over the White House. Well, actually, up until probably the first, the first week of January, Republicans have been all over this. Oh, Donald Trump, he brought us the vaccine. Isn't he a wonderful guy? Yes, get out there, get vaccinated. It's a good thing. You know, we put millions of dollars into that Moderna vaccine. It's a fine thing. You need to get vaccinated. Rupert Murdoch was first in line. He jumped the line, in fact. You know, that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, as Joe Biden becomes president on January 20th, it's like, oh, my God, I don't want those vaccines. Don't give me no vaccine. Don't give me no mask mandate, no vaccine. Why? Because they figured that if they could keep the, the virus stirring, if they could keep the economy in trouble as a consequence of, a, of an ongoing pandemic, that that would hurt the Democrats in the 2022 and 2024 elections. It's very straightforward. And they're not rebutting it. I mean, this is just, just very straightforward stuff. Death is their political strategy. And then, as if to put a punctuation point on it, the, the headline over a raw story this morning was, Fox News host uses Colin Powell's death to launch anti-vax rant. Quote, fully vaccinated are dying of COVID. So just for, you know, when your crazy brother-in-law texts you today or, or you see it on Facebook or whatever, 
Colin Powell had multiple myeloma, which is, I, I, I'm, I'm no medical expert here, but from what I've been reading in news reports, is basically cancer of the white blood cells or cancer that involves the white blood cells, which is your immune system. So he had like cancer of the immune system. And number one, just the treatment for cancer, and it uses, you use chemo, kills your immune system. And number two, he had cancer of the immune system. He, yes, he was fully vaccinated. Yes, he died of complications of COVID. When they say complications of, they typically mean they died of a heart attack or they died of a stroke, but it was because of some giant clot that was thrown off by the COVID. We don't know the details with Colin Powell, but I think that's a reasonable guess. But it doesn't mean that being fully vaxxed doesn't protect you. Being fully vaxxed is a big deal. It does protect you, but it just doesn't protect everybody. In particular, it doesn't protect people like Colin Powell who are fighting cancer, particularly cancer of the immune system, which is why we need to get everyone vaxxed so that people like Colin Powell don't get infected. But, you know, don't tell that to Fox so-called news. More than uh, almost 750,000 Americans, I think it's uh, 717,000 today, have died of COVID. And there's this amazing study, I believe I shared this with you Thursday or Friday of last week, that was published by the Journal of the American Medical Association, or, or one of the journals that they own. It's a subsidiary journal uh, that said that according to this study that was done on several hundred thousand people, who were diagnosed with COVID. Now, these were not people necessarily who were hospitalized or even had severe cases. Half of the 45 million Americans who've been diagnosed with COVID will probably suffer long-term consequences, according to the study. The main consequences being dementia, exhaustion, and damage to the heart and kidneys. I'm, I'm kind of wondering out loud if this disability that's being caused by this avalanche of, of uh, COVID uh, infections in the United States. I mean, we've got more infections per person than any other developed country in the world. Way out there. I mean, we are so far ahead of everybody else. We have, we have about a quarter of all the COVID infections in the world, and we got 4% of the world's population. Because of Trump, because of Trump's policies, because Trump tried to bravado his way through a pandemic hoping that it would keep the economy open so he'd get himself reelected. And, it, and, you know, it was a bet that it didn't pay off for him. So here we have this disease that's killing all these people. And it's being promoted. The idea of remaining vulnerable or getting sick is being promoted by right wing media. You know, it used to be an American business that you knew where the psychopaths were. They were in the tobacco industry. Everybody knew it. This is a product that kills a half a million Americans every year, tobacco. And back in the 1990s, you know, through a series of lawsuits, we discovered that tobacco had known since the 30s that their product was killing people. And since the 50s, how addictive their product was, and they just covered it up. And I would argue that those tobacco CEOs, like I said, you know, we used to know where the psychopaths were. They were in the tobacco industry. It, it, a half a million Americans a year dying from tobacco is about 1,300 people a day. And knowing every day that the product that you're selling caused 1,300 people to die and still being able to sleep at night probably means you're a psychopath. Psychopaths have no empathy, no, no remorse. They don't experience guilt. They have the lack of the ability to feel empathy. And here comes this report this week. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter interviewed the CEO of Fox News who said, I sleep well at night. Right. Just like the tobacco CEOs. Meanwhile, the people who are watching Fox and its imitators all across the various right wing media are taking the implicit advice of Fox's primetime hosts and avoiding getting vaccinated. And guess what? They're getting sick and dying. This morning on uh, NPR here in Oregon, here in Portland. Uh, the, the, there was a, a long report about how every blue county in Oregon has uh, vaccination rates over 75% and very, very few deaths. And every red county in Oregon has lower vaccination rates. I, I forget the number. 
40, 44% sticks in my head, but I, don't quote me on that, but very much lower, and is experiencing the majority of the deaths and hospitalizations. It is, I mean, it literally, it has to do with which counties voted for Trump and which counties voted for Biden. And it's because these people are watching Fox News and other right-wing media and they're, and, and, you know, who are promoting to them that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are better than getting a vaccine. And, you know, they're dying. So when we realized with the tobacco industry in the 90s, as a result of all these lawsuits, that they were intentionally killing people to make money. And Fox News, by the way, represents now about 80% of all the profits for the Murdoch empire, which is pretty mind-boggling, or at least for the U.S. portion of it. And when we realized that the tobacco barons were willing to let people die just to keep making money, we took action. We put a warning label on their product. So, you know, now that right-wing media has arguably caused more deaths in America in the past 12 months than, than has tobacco, is it time to, to label it somehow? Now, I get it. We've got the First Amendment. You can't, you can't uh, restrict the media the way that you can restrict tobacco. But at the very least, tell people, you know, hashtag right-wing media causes death, right, when used as directed, which is the, the whole thing with tobacco. I think, you know, it's, it's time to start. Right? It's time to take this seriously. We have a media ecosystem that is causing, that has caused hundreds or has, has been peripheral or direct in, it, in causing hundreds of thousands of Americans to die and millions of Americans to become disabled. Shouldn't we at the very least label it? We'll be back. It's the Tom Hartman Program, your media support group for We the People. Bob in Desert Hot Springs, California. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, love your show. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. You know, there's an old saying, money is the root of all evil. No, it's love Has of money ever... is the, is the <laughs> biblical phrase, but yes. Okay, fair enough. Has there ever been a time in our history when money has not been involved in politics? Because it's, it's literally killing us. Yeah. You know, for the first hundred years or so, it was basically wealthy white men who were voting <laughs> and, right, right. And, and who were running the political system. And uh, to this day, it's, you know, the majority of voters are wealthy white men and, uh, the, and the majority of politicians. And, you know, you've got reds. I mean, Texas hasn't been a majority white state for almost 20 years now. Uh, to, right. You know, 2024 will be the first election in which the, the babies who were born who are not majority white will be you know, voters in Texas. And yet the entire power structure of Texas is, is almost entirely white and male. So, uh, no, I don't think there's ever been a time, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do something about it. And, and, and I would add, Bob, it's much worse now. We have tried to do things about this over and right. over and over again throughout our history, from right. antitrust laws to anti-money and politics laws. The peak of this was 1974 and 1975 when Congress, in the wake of the Nixon bribery scandals and the Agnew bribery scandals, passed just literally, you know, a, a dozens of uh, pieces of legislation that uh, sought to control money in politics and even funded national politics, you know, fully funded national political campaigns. Jimmy Carter was the one and only guy to ever run for president on publicly funded, uh, you know, campaign uh, funds and win. Right. And right. Uh, but, you know, the Supreme Court blew it up. So here we are. Bob, I got to move along, but thanks. It's a great question. Thank you. Holly in Santa Barbara. Hey, Holly, what's on your mind? Um, I don't want to distract from your talking about health, but I was so dis... dis uh, your program on Thursday with uh, Sarah Kendzior yeah. of Gaslight uh, Nation mm -hmm. about Merrick Garland. I hope right. that you will follow up on that in the coming weeks about the State Department, the uh, Department of Justice. 
Yeah, this is something that President Biden needs to do something about. It's something that is not subject to the will of the people. No, I understand, but I want you to talk more about it in the coming weeks. Uh, I, it, we don't have the Supreme Court. We don't have, uh, because of Manchin and Cinema, we we can't do anything that we want to in government. We're and now that we hear that the Department of Justice is, uh, is compromised. compromised. Yeah. So, please. Just talk about it more in the future. And, of course, I'm glad you keep talking about our health system. It is fundamental. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Holly. Will do. The Cinema Mansion train is rolling on. And uh, I really think that we need to call their bluff. I really think it's time to call their bluff. And I just, I just tweeted about this, but I think it's time. Let's stick around. I got a crazy alert for you. And more of the news of the day. And then your calls. In just a minute, we'll be back in 60 seconds. And welcome back. Oh, it's scary. Fox, this is our crazy alert for the day. Fox News hosts are reacting in terror because Superman has become a man of the world. Superman's motto used to be truth, justice, and the American way. And now it's truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. Now, why would they do that? Because they want to sell their movies. This is for the movie, not for the American TV show or the American comic book, because they want their movies to be viewed in countries other than the United States as well. This is not, this is not rocket science. This doesn't even take a high school education to figure out. But it has totally befuddled the people over at Fox News. On Fox News, uh, Fox and Friends, they just melted down. The co-host, Rachel Campos Duffy, she says, uh, I think these corporations are looking at, you know, the future, which are our children. And they know that so many of them don't love, are being taught, aren't being taught to love America. Oh, that's what it is. This is part of that grand conspiracy, along with the war on Christmas, by corporations in America and liberals to convince children that America is a terrible country, along with critical race theory, right? No, America is not a terrible country. America is pretty good. We're kind of screwed up in some ways, but, you know, we've, we've done a lot of good throughout history. We've done a lot of bad throughout history. We just need to acknowledge it and, and get on with making the country better. But uh, no, no, that, do, that doesn't work in Fox world. That doesn't work in right-wing media world. Right-wing media world, it's uh, bow down and praise America, but don't you dare look at the problems caused by white supremacists or obscene wealth. Because the right wing is made up of obscenely wealthy people and white supremacists. Oh, and you can't talk about that. And if you do talk about it, it means you're anti-American, don't you know? I think one of the most important parts of being an American, I mean, honestly, one of the most important parts of being an American is having the ability to look at our own country and say, what can we make better? What can we make better? How about we do something about white supremacy, about institutional racism, about structural racial problems in this country? Why don't we do something about that? Why don't we do something about you know, the police killing unarmed black men? Why don't we do something about you know, our kids in schools not knowing the true history of America? What, you know, what's that, it, why don't we do something about the fact that the billionaires have just massively increased their wealth? Uh, just in the last uh, year and a half during the pandemic, American billionaires have added $5 trillion to their wealth. Nobody's discussing it. If you do, hey, you must be anti-American. Really? At the same time that the middle class is being held back? It's the Tom Hartman program taking back the mainstream media right here.
Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Tom Hartman here with you, and uh, let's see. Oh, somebody disagrees with me. David in Barstow, California, what do you disagree about? Okay, I work every day. I make about $40,000 a year, not much. I can't afford my gas. I can't afford my groceries anymore. Everything's gone up in price. I can't find a car. And you're talking about white supremacy? Where? Where? I'm looking around in my car. Where are they? Where are these white supremacists? I haven't been helped by them. What are you talking about? Are you guys nuts? Have you? Are you literally have nuts? You, have you looked at the Republican Party recently, David? Have you heard Donald I Trump watched, talk about the, the I, immigrants I coming care. from Mexico no who want to rob and rape and no murder you? Cares. Have you heard him talk about asshole countries? I mean, come on, David. Have, have you, you, talk, you heard him talk about so the, the, the good what people the on both sides who are, who are uh, you know, out there chanting, Jews will not replace us? Honest to God, I'm David, Jewish, you're, you you're, you're, you're you going to try that? Really? Don't even bother, David. Linda in Los Angeles. Hey, Linda, what's on your mind today? You were talking about the labeling on cigarettes and the warning labels. And uh, I mean, I don't smoke. I think the warning labels are there just as the warning labels are on alcohol. I think we tend to give more attention to cigarette smoking than we do alcohol. And in all reality, they are both deadly. And, of course, because we live in a capitalist country, uh, we're going to continue to allow people to do both of those things because it's a free world. But I think, quite frankly, alcohol does, if not more damage because of what it does over time, what it does to families, what it does on the our highways and byways. Uh, you know, I, I think they're both deadly. Uh, so, 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 Linda, let me let me extend your logic then. I mean, yes, alcohol kills 50,000 Americans. Tobacco kills around 490,000 was the estimate I got off the CDC website yesterday afternoon. But I agree with you. Alcohol probably destroys far more than a half a million families every year. And Absolutely. both, it's both not just the, who, who it kills. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it kills. No, I, I'm agreeing with you. And both of those warning labels came out of the Surgeon General's office. So here's the question Should the Surgeon General require Fox News to, uh, you know, at the top of every hour say, warning, consumption of this media may be dangerous for your health? <laughs> well, I mean, no, I don't think they should because I think if we're all intelligent, I listen to Fox, I listen to all of you guys, Fox included. And I know exactly because I consider myself to be an intelligent human being what Fox is all about. And I, I really do. Sure. I mean, and I think people are intelligent enough. They hear what they want to hear, Tom. But you, you have know 60 million Americans who are refusing to get vaccinated in large part because of right wing media. In fact, I would say, you know, well over probably 90 percent of, you know, uh, responsibility is with right wing media for that. Well, I mean, well, those are 60 million people who made a choice not to do something. Yeah. And some of them are suffering the consequences of it, aren't they? Yeah. Are they going to blame Fox News for that? Well, no, I'm, I mean, what I'm, I'm, the analogy I'm drawing is to tobacco and alcohol. You know, if you, uh, half a million people died from smoking this year. 
and or last mm -hmm. year and and you know yeah they made the choice to smoke and they made an informed choice but at least it yeah, was an informed yeah. choice a lot of these people so who are dying right now from covid had no idea until they got to the hospital that the vaccine actually worked because they've been watching fox news okay well I, I listened to fox news too but i was intelligent enough to, to say you know at some point when i looked at what was happening and the numbers and they kept increasing i said I was going to take my son to go get it, and I wasn't going to get it because I went, you know, we're non-vaxxers for the most part. My son wasn't vaccinated. We're both extremely healthy. But this was a decision to do it because of what was going on in general. But as you're saying, you're saying turning on Fox News is just like taking off a cigarette. You either decide to turn it on and listen to it intelligently, or you turn it on and you're taken over and consumed by it because it's what you want to hear. Okay. Well, that's, Linda, that's yeah, what I believe. good luck on your choices and, and thanks for the call. And your points are all well made. I, you know, I, I, well said. Alejandro in Miami, Florida. Hey, Alejandro, what's up? Hey, Tom. How are um, you doing? Good. What's on your mind? No, that what's on my mind is that, you know, again, the whole, you know, Republicans want to destroy the economy thing, which I think is, is stupid for many reasons, especially you would think, you know, doesn't the pharmaceutical companies donate to the Republican Party? I mean, if that's the soul, like Pfizer and all these companies, then you would think they would have told them, hey, stop talking crap about our vaccines or we're not going to give you money anymore because you're hurting our bottom line. You, do you think they would have had those kind of conversations with them? Yeah, because, that's, mean, you know, the vaccines are one company or you know, three companies, J&J, &J, uh, Moderna and Pfizer. And, and they're not, you know, these are not even probably their major profit centers, although I'm sure, you know, they're doing well as a consequence of, of, uh, of this. But, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think this is about the money, and I don't think that the companies are going to go back to the Republicans or to Fox News or whatever and say, you need to be supporting us because we're supporting you. Uh, that's, I think you're, you're overthinking it, Alejandro, respectfully. Okay, well, that's fine. But what about also the Chamber of Commerce and all the other businesses seem to want to go back to normal? They're not, they're not against the vaccine mandates, from what I understand. So, again, wouldn't those business communities be like, hey, stop with the nonsense. We want to go back to normal. And your rhetoric is getting in the way of that. That is, the, that is the conflict. That is the debate that's going on on the right right now in, you know, and within the Republican Party. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be real interesting to see how this all turns out because it is becoming more and more and more impossible to ignore the fact that, like, like I said, this morning on, on uh, Oregon Public Broadcasting, they did a local, you know, a statewide uh, report on how counties that voted for Donald Trump are having really, really high death and disability rates and counties that voted for Joe Biden are, are generally very healthy and getting back to normal here in Oregon. And that, that is mirrored nationwide. And at some point, you know, businesses, you know, they want to get back to business. They want to get back to making money. They're, they're not totally in with the whole Republican thing of, you know, keep the economy in, in, uh, in the ICU along with, you know, all these people so that uh, Democrats don't get reelected. So it's a conflict for them. Alejandro, thanks for the call. Michael in Bronx, New York. Hey, Michael, what's up? Hi, Tom. You know, first, um, let me address to David when he asked, um, where the white supremacists? May I remind you, buddy, that there are three white supremacists down in Georgia who made a face trial for killing an unarmed black jogger. If yeah. you remember that, yeah. So that's yeah, in the fact, the jury selection in the Ahmed Arbery uh, case starts today. Right. Exactly. Now, I was so shocked to hear of the passing of Colin Powell. And went right back to where I kept saying and what other people kept saying, that Donald Trump needs to be criminally prosecuted for the um, many deaths of COVID because of his ongoing lies, his ongoing cover-ups. Kept saying it's a Democratic hoax, which was not. And if people don't believe that, then you think back to the um, to Ebola crisis. And that happened under then-President Barack Obama. Obama put together a pandemic commission and kept that crisis from going way out of control. We pretty much defeated Ebola. And you'll recall really, the Republicans were all over Obama criticizing him for that, particularly when that nurse was exposed to it. And, oh, my God, Obama's endangering the health of America and all this kind of I mean, it was just it was nuts the way they responded to it. It was. It was. And I and the loss of life, if not how should I say this? 
If it wasn't any loss of life, it was just very minimal compared to the thousands of lives lost at COVID because of Trump wanting to fool around with politics, fool around with the um, people's lives, and kept engaging in criminal conduct, inciting violence to those that question him. I mean, we got criminal charges stacked up higher than the Empire State Building. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. Michael, thank you. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, not too much, Tom. Look, I um, I listened to a couple of right-wing pundits over the weekend, uh, Barry oh, yeah. Wise and also Seth Rogen, and yeah. they said something. Barry Wise is more of a professional troll than a right-wing pundit, but yeah, anyhow, back to you. Well, no, I mean, well, in Barry Weiss's case, she she said what you brought up last week. She literally said she was talking about the third rail, right? That mm-hmm. there's there's third rail that is keeping um, honest debate. The problem is the debate is not honest. They are not bringing up valid counterpoints. Okay, I agree. And and she she literally said these institutions with all these liberals are a a collection of individuals. All right. And you, you know, you were uh, yeah. Margaret Thatcher, Thatcher revisited. Yes, I got it. And and also Seth Rogen, he told Sanjay Gupta that, you know, maybe it would be better to get the vaccine, which, you know, he, he like I said, they they say it's a therapeutic and then go hang around, quote unquote, dirty people. This is what I'm saying. It, it all is reminiscent of the T4 project in Nazi Germany. I know, and I, I don't blame you, I, we sh- I, I know the Nazi thing is sometimes counterproductive, but that's what the T4 project did. They convinced people that these uh, pro-government Nazi scientists know they have evidence that Jewish people are half-rodent and stuff like this, and it sounds ridiculous, but... Um, you can't really, um, I mean, it is hard to not um, be influenced by stuff like that. Yeah. No, I get it, Dave. And, and uh, you know, that, that, you know, I mean, Trump's rhetoric, back to our white supremacist friend, Trump's rhetoric was basically, these people are not human, right? Vermin. They, they are not human. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the beginning of a very, very dark road to travel down. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Speaking the truth, the multinational corporations and Kirsten Cinema would really rather you didn't know. What are Trump and his dead enders really up to? In my opinion, their agenda is very easily explained. And that is that, number one, destroy democracy, right? And the whole idea of the voters deciding who their president is. And, and I mean, to the extent, we've, I, I suppose we've already ended that. George W. Bush lost by a half million votes, but he still became president. Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump by three million votes, but Donald Trump still became president. So anyhow, number one, end democracy in America. And number two, turn this country into an authoritarian oligarchy. I laid this out in the Hidden History of American Oligarchy in, the, in, that, in that book. And, and it's just, it's so clear. You know, they, they want to turn America into something that looks like Hungary or Russia. I mean, it's, it's just very, very straightforward. Step one is to end free and fair elections in America. I got this fundraising email from Donald Trump uh, on Wednesday, I think it was, of this week. Uh, and it said, if we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, which we have thoroughly and conclusively documented, Republicans will not be voting in 22 or 24. It's the single most important thing for Republicans to do. So, so the media treated this like Trump is either threatening other Republicans to do something that they don't understand, or he's just being a testy, grumpy billionaire, right? He, he wants them to love him more, or he's just losing his grip. Neither of those things are true. What Trump was actually saying in that email that I got and that, you know, became national news was, you know, if the rest of you Republicans who still hold office don't do like a couple of states have already done and pre-rig the 2024 electoral college election result, you're going to lose office and you're going to lose power. And I'll, Donald Trump, lose my chance to get back into the White House, which is true by the way, particularly in swing states. For example, in 2004, Texas, now this is based on births, 
Texas ceased to become a white, to be a white majority state. Texas became a minority majority state in 2004. Well, in 2024, those people, those, the, you know, those babies born in 2004 will be 20 years old and they'll be eligible to vote in the 2024 election for the first time. And you think they're going to vote for white supremacist Republicans? This is why the Republicans are stepping up their game. You know, they've used this canard of election fraud forever to try to suppress the vote of BIPOC folks, urban folks, poor folks, young folks, elderly people. Now they're going a whole nother step farther and passing laws that, in addition to the normal, you know, barriers to voting, passing laws that basically say that election officials can simply throw out the results if they don't like them. This is not a good thing. I mean, this is, this is what Joe Stalin uh, told his personal secretary back, you know, in the 1920s. He said, quote, I consider it completely unimportant who in the party will vote or how, but what is extremely important is this, who will count the votes and how. This is what Republicans are doing right now. And, and this is the essence, by the way, of John Eastman's memo, the one, you know, that came out of the White House just before January 6th, where he basically said, he laid out what I laid out in March of last year. I predicted Trump was going to do this nine months before he did. I said he's going to try to replay the 1876 election, where the election, or the 1824 or the 1800 election, all three of those elections got thrown to the House of Representatives because there wasn't a, a clear majority of electoral votes. And there wasn't a clear majority of electoral votes in the election of 1876. I mean, there was a clear majority, but it wasn't enough to push it over the 50% uh, number in 1876, because four states submitted incomplete ballots or conflicting ballots. Actually, in each case, it was conflicting ballots. Oregon and three southern states, uh, you know, submitted ballots both for Tilden and for Hayes. And that's, you know, I, I wrote about this. I talked about this on the air. And sure enough, it's exactly what Trump tried to do. And now they're going to try and do it again in 2024, whether it's for Trump or some other Republican. They're setting this up in the states all across the United States. And, and they're being supported now by right-wing billionaires and big corporations. Uh, you know, one of the better documentarians of this is Judd Legum over at Popular.info, where he's been, you know, bullet-pointing in his stories about crazy Republican positions, which corporations are supporting these Republicans. And it's a whole pile of them. It's just like Fritz Tyson, who, who wrote the book, I, I Paid Hitler. You, you don't need democracy to make money. In fact, the country that has produced the most billionaires in the last 20 years is China. China is not a democracy. So these guys are like, you know, we don't care about democracy. We just want to stay billionaires. And now you've got in Montana, the Republicans in the Montana legislature passed Senate Bill 319, which says a political committee may not direct, coordinate, manage, or conduct any voter identification efforts, voter registration drives, signature collection efforts, ballot collection efforts, or voter turnout efforts for federal, state, or local, or school elections inside, basically, on a college campus. You know, I mean, the classrooms, obviously, you can't do electioneering in the classrooms, so they say you can't do it inside a residence hall, a dining facility, or athletic facility. Really, it's against the law now to campaign on a college campus in, in uh, Montana. And Georgia, Arkansas, Kansas, Arizona, Texas, and Florida are all considering similar legislation right now. In Georgia, they're actually removing election officials. The New York Times reported across Georgia, many members of at least 10 county election boards have been removed, had their positions eliminated, or are likely to be kicked off through local ordinances or new laws passed by the state legislature. At least five are people of color. Most are Democrats. Surprise, surprise. 19 Republican-controlled states have passed 30 pieces of legislation to make it harder for Social Security-age people to vote, college-age people to vote, and BIPOC folks to vote. And in many of those states, politicians who are now in charge of elections can just refuse to certify the election if they don't like it. And as I said, what are they trying to do? They're trying to replace democracy in this republic with an authoritarian oligarchy, with a strongman oligarchy along the lines of Hungary or Russia. And, and frankly, given the demographic changes, I mentioned Texas a minute ago, this really is probably going to be their last chance. Young people are coming into their own in huge numbers, and they are pissed that nothing's being done about the climate. 
among other things. So what are these guys doing now? Now they're funding right-wing groups that are running around with black flags saying, we're willing to kill our neighbors. We think that a civil war is happening already. We got the guns and we're, we're ready to shoot. This is the no surrender, no quarter black flag. I, you know, I talked about this. Michelle Davis writing for the uh, Living Blue in Texas blog writes, uh, the, the title of her blog is, are your Republican neighbors planning on killing you? The answer she writes is yes. They say civil war and they say it's already started. And she brings the footage to back up her assertion. I mean, there's a, there's a book about this. It came out in 2005. It's titled Black Flag Over Dixie, Racial Atrocities and Reprisals in the Civil War. The Confederate soldiers who flew the black flag were the ones who were engaged in massacres of African Americans. This is like right straight out of the Turner Diaries. And then Steve Bannon this week, you know, Donald Trump this week is echoing Hitler turning the, the widow of one of the men who died in his beer hall pooch into a, into a national martyr. Donald Trump is doing the same thing now with Ashley Babbitt, who died at the Capitol, was killed by a police officer, just like the person that Hitler did. And now they were saluting the flag, pledging allegiance to the flag from January 6th, which is what Hitler did with the flag that, he, that they carried when they tried to take, take over the Capitol, the Bavarian state Capitol in Munich in 1922 or 23. They turned that into a, an iconic totem, the blood-stained flag, they called it. And now Steve Bannon, you know, you'll recall, you know, Hitler said that once he was well established, there would be, you know, the, the Third Reich would produce a thousand years apiece. Steve Bannon comes out and says, we're putting together a coalition that's going to govern for a hundred years. Are we there yet? We're getting close. And this is probably going to be their last chance, 2022 and 2024. And we can't let that happen. Jerry in San Francisco, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. My uh, modest proposal for the Democrats is to just focus very specifically, like Stacey Abrams did in Georgia, on Mariposa County, Wayne County, which includes Detroit, Milwaukee, Atlanta, and Philadelphia. Well, these are all cities and swing states with large black populations, and they are all the focus of the Trump so-called audit efforts because That's what they're right. trying to do is they're trying to suppress the vote, the largely black vote, in those counties. And if they can do that, those swing states cease to be swing states. They become red states. Right. And if whoever it is, if it's Biden, whoever carries those five, then no matter what they do in other states, the Democrats still win. Right. And I think we have very little time to challenge those voter restrictions and just the out-and-out harassment and so forth. It is very scary. I mean, Mariposa County doesn't even have voting machines after uh, the crazy group that took the voting machines all summer long. Voting officials said in Arizona, they're not coming back. They've been threatened too much. One woman actually was threatened and found out who was threatening her. The FBI has been on it for five months, and she can't get any kind of resolution. As far as she knows, they didn't do anything. Yeah. Then you can lay that at the feet of Merrick Garland, which takes us back to our conversation with Sarah. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. And by the way, I just want to say for everybody to check out TomHartman.com. I think it was Thursday or Wednesday that you had a, the, the, the conceptual frameworks of how how fascism came through and so forth. It was really, really good. Oh, you mean HartmanReport.com? Yeah. I'm sorry, Hartman. Yeah, that, that, which is a daily newsletter that comes into your email box for free. There's no ads in it or anything. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jerry. Thank you very much. I, you know, we put a lot of work into those things. And <laughs> it's a, in fact, this morning, I, you know, today's piece, uh, you know, I, I finished up the first draft last night. We went to bed. Uh, we got up this morning and I, I struggled with it for an hour trying to pare it down. It's still a little too, you know, bloated, I think, but, uh, you know, trying to get it just right. And so it got published a little later than normal. But uh, that's, uh, that's uh, what Louise and I are doing now every day. <laughs> Jerry, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. I appreciate it. And I, I'm, I'm totally with you. These count, these individual count. It's not, it's not even the states. It's the individual these counties, with, with, you know, that are mostly big city counties that have large black populations. This is what the Republicans are trying to destroy. These counties are the targets of their voter suppression laws. These counties are the targets of their audits. They didn't audit Arizona. They audited one county, Maricopa County. They're doing, and they're trying to do the same thing all over the country.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Rob in Mount Iron, Minnesota. Hey, Rob, what's on your mind today? You had a uh, caller uh, last week, uh, Rob, and it's where you had a David uh, just a little while ago, and uh, you asked the question, how do you answer to these people when they are reacting like a complete idiots? It's where these people have, uh, they are completely mentally ill. Yeah, well, some of them probably are. I mean, you know, by definition. But others are just brainwashed people who are very passionate in believing what they have, uh, you know, been told to believe by right-wing outlets like Fox. I'm sorry about General Powell dying, but at the same time, it's where uh, this guy lied us into Iraq. No WMDs. Thousands of American lives were lost. Hundreds of thousands of Iraqis. Trillions of dollars. He's the only one, though, who, how many people? Rob, no, I, I'm with you on all that stuff, but I, I do think that it deserves, at the very least, an asterisk, if not a full-blown caveat, which is that of all those people who were involved in the Bush administration lying us into Iraq, none of them have recanted. All of them, George W. Bush, Dick Cheney, Paul Wolfowitz, you know, I mean, just the whole crowd of them are continuing to, to justify John Yu, Jay Bybee, continuing to justify what they did. Colin Powell actually apologized for it. I mean, I, it wasn't, you know, a noble thing that he did. And according to his aides, what he was given from Scooter Liddy was a hell of a lot worse. Hundreds of but. people died under Trump because of COVID. What, that, that was completely unnecessary. Yes. You know? Yeah, but Colin Powell had nothing to do with finally, that. When you finally, when President Obama, was there any, you know, a Democratic president, did he ever cause something like Bush or Trump. No. Hundreds of thousands of dead. No. You know, I mean, he continued the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, which was unfortunate. But I think that was more momentum than volition. Thanks uh, for your time, Tom. Yeah, thank you. Good talking to you. Mike in Clinton Township, Michigan. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind? Yes, Tom. One of the things about living in Clinton Township, Michigan, which is just north of Detroit, we get to listen and watch to Canadian Broadcasting Company outlets. Mm -hmm. And my wife was watching a program on Canadian TV, and up comes this ad. Listen to the new podcast from CBC, how right-wing radio took over American democracy. Really? And yes. And so I listened to it last night, and it absolutely blew me away. Wow. This is a new this is a new six part series that explores how right wing radio took over American democracy. If you Google this is by Justin Ling and he's part of what's called the Flamethrowers. So okay. if you Google Flamethrowers Justin Ling C D C Democracy, you should be able to pull it up. But I'm really writing it down way. as you speak. Yep. Justin, Justin Ling, L-I-N-G? Yes, L-I-N-G, cool. CBC. I will do it. Thank you very kindly for that, Mike. I do appreciate it. It's amazing, hanging out with some of the best educated people in the world. Thank you. Through the school of hard knocks, right?
reading from Juan Cole's book, Mohammed, Prophet of Peace Amid the Clash of Empires. This is from the preface. The new world religion of Islam arose against the backdrop of a 7th century game of thrones between the Russian Empire and the Sasanian Empire of Iran that was fought with unparalleled savagery for nearly three decades. The imperial army zigzagged bloodily across the Near East, the Fertile Crescent, Asia Minor, and the Balkans. Although the Quran makes it clear that the struggle between rival emperors, whom contemporaries called the Two Eyes of the Earth, formed an essential context for the mission of the Prophet Muhammad, historians have only recently attempted explorations of the latter's life and thought with this framework in mind. This book puts forward a reinterpretation of early Islam as a movement strongly inflected with values of peacemaking that was reacting against the slaughter of the decades-long war and attendant religious strife. From the Crusades to colonialism, conflicts between Christians and Muslims led to a concentration among writers of European heritage on war and Islam, leaving the dimensions of peace and cooperation neglected. Both peace and war are present in the Quran, just as they are in the Bible, and both will be analyzed below, but the focus here is on peace. This book studies the Quran in its historical context rather than trying to explain what Muslims believe about their scripture. The Quran insists on liberty of conscience and forbearance toward enemies, and it prohibits unprovoked aggressive warfare. It promises salvation to all righteous monotheists, and not just to followers of the Prophet Muhammad. That many outsiders and a not inconsiderable number of adherents have associated it with none of these values, and indeed have often interpreted it as upholding the converse, demonstrates how badly it has been understood. The misapprehensions came about for many reasons, including the imperial ideologies of the later Christian Byzantine and Muslim Abbasid empires, difficulties in interpreting the text, and a failure to read it against contemporary Roman and Iranian texts, a procedure that allows us to compare and contrast its values and concerns with those of others living in that era. The Iranian invasion of Roman territory from 603 forward threatened the independence of Western Arabia, where Muhammad was based. The Sasanian conquest of Jerusalem in 614 struck contemporaries as apocalyptic and provoked a mystical response from the prophet. A close reading of the Quran shows that a profound, dis shows that a profound distress at the carnage of that age led Muhammad to spend the first half of his prophetic career, 610 to 622, imagining an alternative sort of society, one firmly grounded in practices of peace. The Quran repeatedly instructs believers to repel evil with good, pardon their persecutors, and wish peace on those who harassed them. These verses have, as their greater context, the outbreak of struggles among Christians, Jews, Zoroastrians, and a remnant of pagans who were partisans in the clash of empires raging around them. Muhammad in these years resembles much more the Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount than is usually admitted. Scholars have increasingly tied the second half of Muhammad's career, 622 to 632, to the maneuverings of Rome and Iran, even suggesting that his move to Medina from his hometown of Mecca may have been connected to Roman diplomacy. I argue that Muslims in the time of the Prophet were explicitly allied with the Christian Emperor Heraclius, 610 to 641, and indeed that Muhammad saw his defensive battles against truculent pagans in places such as Badr and Uhud in West Arabia as protecting Roman churches in Transjordan and Syria to the north. It is likely these militant Arabian pagans had allied with the Iranian King of Kings. In short, Islam is, no less than Christianity, a Western religion that initially grew up in the Roman Empire. The prophet in those years of pagan attacks did not abandon his option for peace, but moved toward a doctrine of just war, similar to that of Cicero and late antique Christian thinkers. He repeatedly sued for peace with a bellicose Mecca, but when that failed, he organized Medina for self-defense in the face of a determined pagan foe. The Quran insists that aggressive warfare is wrong, and that if the enemy seeks an armistice, Muslims are bound to accept the entreaty. This disallowing of aggressive war and search for resolution, even in the midst of violent conflict, justifies the title Prophet of Peace, even if Muhammad was occasionally forced into a defensive campaign. The Quran contains a doctrine of just war, but not of holy war, and does not use the word jihad in that latter connotation. It views war as, as an unfortunate necessity, 
when innocence and even the freedom of conscience are threatened. It strictly forbids vigilantism and equates premeditated killing of non-combatants with genocide, paraphrasing in this regard Jewish commentaries on the Bible in the Jerusalem Talmud. The Quran, read judiciously alongside later histories, suggests that during Muhammad's lifetime, Islam spread peacefully in the major cities of Western Arabia. The soft power of the Quran's spiritual message has typically been underestimated in most treatments of this period. The image of Muhammad and very early Islam that emerges from a careful reading on peace themes contradicts Western views. Muhammad by Juan Oh, I, I wanted to get into this whole thing with Kirsten uh, Cinema. Hang on just a second here. Yes, right-wing billionaires are telling Kirsten Cinema how high to jump and or, or to jump, and she is asking how high. This is pretty remarkable. Along with Tim Scott, Kirsten Cinema wrote this letter to the Medicare administrator throughout the coronavirus pandemic. Writes Kirsten Cinema. Medicare Advantage has helped hundreds of thousands of Arizonans access critical health service. You know, quack, 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 quack. In other words, the, well, the headline is Cinema and bipartisan group of colleagues commit to protecting and strengthening Medicare Advantage for Arizona seniors. As you know, I think a Medicare Advantage is a scam, but uh, she and Tim Scott are all in on this. And so Mary Beth Donahue, the president and CEO of the Better Medicare Alliance, which is the you know, industry trade group that is like, hey, let's privatize Medicare and make more money off it, says, on behalf of the more than 628,000 Arizonans who entrust their care to Medicare Advantage, we extend our deepest gratitude to Senator Cinema for leading this bipartisan letter. Over 40% of people in Arizona have now enrolled in Medicare Advantage. Meanwhile, over on uh, Andrew Perez's blog over at Daily Poster, Chief Roadblock to Democrats' plan to allow, allow Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices is Kirsten Cinema. She had campaigned on lowering drug prices, but now she opposes it. This, by the way, allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices would save tens of billions of dollars. And in Biden's Build Back Better plan, they're planning on taking those tens of billions of dollars and actually using them as part of the Build Back Better plan. So when Cinema says we won't allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices, you have to pay full retail for drug prices, unlike any other, you know, the Veterans Administration negotiates drug prices, all the big insurance companies negotiate drug prices, the big hospital chains negotiate drug everybody except Medicare. Medicare is not allowed to. And so the pharmaceutical companies are making an estimated $600 billion a decade, more than they should. They're making more profits in the United States than in the other 20 next uh, wealthiest countries in the world combined. And by keeping it that way, cinema is also preventing funding of the Build Back Better plan. This is not a healthy thing. It's just not a healthy thing. Oh, my. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sylvia in Seattle. Hey, Sylvia, what's on your mind today? Well, I'm a retired teacher with a health care plan in Washington, and I just found out that the board that manages our teachers' health care two years ago accepted a bid from United Healthcare to offer Medicare Advantage. And now I get a notice they are going to provide a uh, webinar to all teachers sponsored, I think, by Medicare Advantage people sure. to tell you how much mouthwatering savings you're going to get. Oh, yeah. that's You wonder who's getting spiffed by the insurance society. companies. Well, I wrote a letter to all the board members and pointing out that it didn't seem fair that the megaphone of the whole state of Washington can advertise this. And then somebody like me, who represents the kind of thinking I've heard on your program, I don't have their mailing list. I can't get in touch sure. with these people. I have a question about how much money per person does Medicare Advantage get for everybody they sign up? It depends on what's called the risk uh, score. So what they do is they... They will send a nurse to your home, for example, to check you out. They will look for ways to make it seem like you're sicker than you are, and then they get a higher reimbursement. Medicare Advantage is not fee-for-services. 
And that's why it's such an insanely profitable thing for these companies. Even if they provide no services, even if they make you jump through dozens of hoops to see a specialist or to get surgery or to get any kind of treatment, even if they make it really hard for you, they still get paid. Even if they prevent you from getting services or they don't offer you services, they still get paid. That's why they're loving it and that's why they're advertising like crazy. And I'm telling you, I think in this season, particularly given the Medicare Advantage ads that I'm seeing on TV right now, once they're over 50% of Medicare recipients getting Medicare Advantage, they're going to move to privatize the entire system. And then we're going to be back. Anybody over 65 is no longer going to have the protections of Medicare. It'll just be the whole country is back on, you know, for-profit health insurance. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a disaster, in my opinion, because once they've got everybody, once they no longer need to compete, they'll just say, hey, you know, we don't care. And they'll start acting like insurance companies, you know, used to act before Obamacare uh, to whatever extent they legally can. And Medicare Advantage is also draining money out of the Medicare Trust Fund. Medicare Advantage providers get more money from Medicare, you know, from our tax dollars, from our Medicare tax dollars, than Medicare costs. So Medicare Advantage is more costly to the government and provides less services over time. And, you know, this latest study that showed that the majority of people who are leaving Medicare Advantage are doing so in the last year of their life, because that's the point at which, if you have Medicare Advantage, once you start getting sick, your insurance company is going to start doing everything they can to make you unhappy and get rid of you because they don't want to pay for anything. Sylvia, thank you for the call. Good luck with, with your uh, agency there. That's terrible. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 